Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're watching Peak to Pit and listening as well. Week nine of the college football season. Allie Peak, TJ Pittinger coming to you uh, live from our little offices here. TJ, week nine. Can't wrap my head around the fact that the season is flying through this fast. I don't love it. Big weeks for both of our teams, which we'll get there. But uh, what did you do this past weekend? Um... I don't even know. What did we do? Saturday, I think we just kind of hung out and I watched college football all day. So that was fun. Um, zero stress, which was nice. Went on the back uh, back patio and had all three TVs going at the same time. So that was a good time. Watched Miami lose. That was fun. Uh, Sunday, I took my daughter to Gainesville. Um, the softball team had a scrimmage. Nice. So um, that was fun. She had a good time. It's not so serious. Shout out to... Um, I don't know if nobody's tuned in to hear the softball takes here, but it was packed. It was a full yeah. house. Um, it was really cool. It wasn't, you know, like kind of kind of different rules, kind of weird rules in the scrimmage. Like they had one inning that was just kind of a um, um, BP inning where they literally just un- like keep hitting until you get outs, but like none of the runs count. You know, it was just kind of like a right. I don't know, kind of weird. Uh, but, you know, also like both teams pitched a different pitcher like every single inning. There was no, like, it wasn't a real game. It was, yeah. I mean, it truly just was like a kind of a preseason scrimmage. But Elena had a blast. We saw a bunch of the players and stuff, and, and it was a good time. So, um, pretty low key weekend. What about you? Um, well, I have no voice because I spent uh, all of Saturday at podcast even better. I know. I have no Shout voice. I kind of sound like a boy. I apologize to all of you guys. I'm sniffly and not feeling that great. Uh, this is like the craziest week ever for me. First of all, pig jig is like 72 hours of Eric's life, right? On Friday is your load in where you bring your grill. So he spends, you know, half the day on Friday unloading all this stuff and then seasoning all of his meat and whatever, doing all the stuff. His alarm goes off at 2.45 in the morning, Saturday morning, to leave to drive down there because he's got to have his brisket on the grill by 4 a.m. So, of course, his alarm goes off, which means I wake up too. I basically never fully went back to sleep. Um, Eric and my brother-in-law do this competition every year. This year, Shannon Snell joined their team too, which, uh, you know, they were pretty excited about. So last year they took fourth in cork and then they took uh, seventh in brisket. And I want to say like ninth in ribs, something like that. So they did like really well last year, right? Their first year doing it. So this year they're thinking with Shannon, like this is going to be awesome. Shannon says they're the best ribs that he's ever made. Shannon handles ribs. My brother-in-law, Nick, handles pork. Eric handles brisket. They kind of collaborate on the wild card, and they help each other out along the way. Shannon says they're the best ribs he's ever made, which you know is saying something because this is literally what Shannon does for a living. Eric then thinks this is the best brisket he's ever made, which Eric makes brisket, I mean, a lot, right, on a very regular basis. So they're pretty pumped. They're least confident in the pork. The pork ends up placing third 
overall. There's 75 teams in this competition. They don't place in the top 10 for ribs or brisket. So they're all like devastated, right? They're already planning for next season. They can't believe that this happened. Like they go to turn their ribs in and people want to stop and take pictures with Shannon. Like barbecue judges want to stop and take pictures with Shannon because they know him from uh, Sonny's. So it's just so interesting that that's, uh, that they didn't place the top 10 in those two categories. But it was super fun. I have no voice. Um, what is playing over in the back there, TJ? Sorry. something. It's like an auto play in the background, of course. You know, TJ not paying attention to anything I'm saying. Typical guy. This is literally what Eric does. Like he's, uh-huh, uh-huh. What uh-huh, did you, what you sudden, say? <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden videos start playing from his phone. I heard what you said. They were, yeah, they, yeah. Placed, they were getting oh, pictures of Shannon. But, they placed third. It was fun. It was really good time. Um, Sam Hunt was the headliner, so we got to see him. That was again no uh, invite. That was really neat. Well, next year we'll have to get a whole bunch of extra tickets. You'll have to come. It was yeah. it was good. It was really I've fun. Dan Thompson was I've walking around. I've heard that four years in a row. Oh, Dan got an invite, not me. Uh, Very Dan just happened to be there. He walked by our tent. We hung out for a little bit. He's a friend of the podcast. Invited, was, invited Daniel, uh, not me. That's wild. It was fun. It was a it was a really good time. But this week is chaos because I uh, chair our trunk or treat event at our school every year. We have like expect like a thousand people. It's wild. So I've been awake since like four in the morning. I wake up with like heart palpitations because I remember something else that I need to do. So if I make it to nine o'clock on Friday, it's gonna be. That's why I didn't answer your text messages yesterday. I literally have like wow. no capacity to do anything but trunk or treat. But here I am doing this because flip happened this week and we are going to talk about it because I remember all of the Norvell stuff, Snapier into the locker comments about Roderick Kearney and he is now a Gator. So I need to know how you feel about this. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's kind of interesting. I First, I want to know how you feel about it when, when a kid – publicly goes on record and trashes a staff and then ends up like committing to that Flipping class to later. That well, first yeah, of all, like, so, like, so like on it, that's not spin. Like we can pull up the quotes. Like I really want oh, to yeah. know. Well, like, he, what said, he said he didn't feel at home and that it was like flashy yeah, and they, they weren't genuine and didn't feel genuine yeah. is what he is. is and so of course said. all Gator fans at that moment, like dogged the kid and trashed Correct. him. Well, we had, don't want this guy. Yeah. He doesn't want to be horrible. Here kind of thing. So, like, you, yeah, obviously you're just going to spin it to the way. Oh, but now that well, he's back, all, obviously, the, I don't, the staff I don't did such a great job. I've covered recruiting for yeah. literally at this point 20 years. And so I don't, on, thoughts on until that. you've got the uniform on and you're producing, it doesn't mean a whole lot to me personally or as a fan because I, literally I've covered recruiting before I ever colored college football. I covered recruiting. Uh, so we watch this stuff happen all the time. I mean, Honestly, I think this is a great case of where somebody should have just said nothing, right? Like you, those are not, those are not, that's a nice life lesson for a kid, regardless of who they end up committing to as a recruit. Don't ever trash a staff when you leave a school. If it's not the place for you, that's okay. Don't commit to that school. But I don't think it's a great look to trash a staff because just like this, you never know where you're going to end up. You never know what's going to happen. That could have, in theory, closed the door for him, right? By, by saying stuff like that. Um, and you never truly forget that, right? Like he may end up signing with Florida in December. Right. He may end up going there. But like say, and obviously I have no idea, right? Like we really have no idea like how he'll pan out in two or three sure. years on the offensive line. But that always sticks it. Like the, the UF coaches are never going to forget that, right? Like say like things aren't panning out like two years in and whispers of this or that. Come, 
so, yeah, that's you're, be you're right. It's like, the same it's a, concept as a kid that transfers in from somewhere else. Right. You're always going to be, you've jumped ship once. Is you're that all, something you've always you're got that in the back of your mind? Again, yeah. I'm sure that that will be. This is this is not the first recruit that something like that has happened. Um, but you know what? It's a position of need for UF. It's a it's a bid pickup. Florida's lost two games in a row, so it's nice to see that the momentum is, you know, continuing regardless of what the record is is looking at. They're probably picking up another loss this weekend. So, uh, you know, but this was a big pickup. There's a commitment happening on. Uh, on Thursday, uh, Cormani out of Lakeland will be announcing. There's a lot of people that think that he's committing to Florida too. He's a five-star guy. There's uh, there's some other rumblings of, of other commits that are potentially uh, making the jump to UF. So it's nice to see that recruiting momentum is you know full steam ahead, regardless of what's look what the season is looking like. And it is interesting. I I'm not a massive fan of the early signing period, um, but the early signing period makes it more likely, I think, that the class stays intact regardless of how the season pans out. I don't know that I think there's enough time for some of these guys to change their mind if they are, in fact, committing and signing in December. But I want to know what your take is because you talked a lot about this when it happened. I have saw a lot of memes. I don't know that I've ever been tweeted at or messaged more about something in regards to this podcast than this topic right now. There's a lot of Gator fans that messaged me that were like, hey, make sure you don't let him off easy because he talked his talk when the commitment happened. And I didn't see a whole lot on Twitter from you afterwards. So I just, uh, I need to know some thoughts there. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's your, you know, your typical Marshawn Lynch, right? Like I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get got some, but I'm also gonna get mine or however he ends up saying that, right? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I was just echoing what the kid was saying, right? The kid crapped on the staff and I was all about that. Right. I mean, I think we would all do that, right? Like if a, if a kid committed to your school and was talking bad about your biggest rival, and that's a pretty big opportunity that, to talk. Right? That's a pretty big opportunity to talk smack. So, I mean, I don't, Oh, wow. TJ talked smack about a kid that was crapping on UF. Like, Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. So as far as the decommitment, I mean, I think that's a kid that Florida state definitely won in their class. So there's no like, Oh right. man, we didn't want him spin or, <laughs> He wasn't a taste in. <laughs> I, I will say this. Florida State is going after two offensive linemen that I think they think are better than him. In three years, we'll find out if they're right or not. And if they can hit on both of those, then I, I don't think this loss is a huge deal. Right. If they miss on both of them, and so then their second highest offensive line recruit is not in the class, and they don't get those other guys that, right. that they feel is better, right? So Kearney had been flirting with Florida he had made in a couple visits to Florida um, <laughs> right. for the, I believe, the Kentucky game and maybe the USF game. And then um, you really got to cut it down to one pack a day. He had made a couple of visits to UF. He was going to visit for the LSU game. Yeah. And Florida State pulled him away from that and basically said, like, no, no, come visit here. And right. I believe kind of had the come to Jesus talk of, like, hey, crapper, get off the pot. Like, right, yeah. like you're, you're not going to play this game of being committed to us, but sure. flirting with them and taking, you know, Florida State out of your bio and then putting it back up the next week or whatever. So, like, whatever you want to do is what you want to do. That's fine. But, like, we're not going to try and, like, win you back for the next eight weeks, right? Like, either go or don't. And right. so he went, right? Like, next week he decommits and, and goes to Florida. So, yeah, you know, I think they would have taken his commitment. I, I'm sure of it. No, it's not an I think. They absolutely wanted him in this class. They would have absolutely taken him. I think they know that they're going after guys that they like a little bit more. If they hit on those, then this isn't a huge deal, right? right. If they miss, 
then that, you know, then it, it's a bigger deal, right? Florida State signed a really, really good offensive line class last year. It's not a position of need for FSU as much as it is for UF right now. Um, and like I said, if Florida State can get those other guys that they're going after, right? It, it, the impact of this will be pretty minimal. If they don't, then, yeah, I mean, you, you really would have wanted him in your class. So, you know, but that's not like, oh, he wasn't a take or they didn't want him or anything like that. I think they I, – I will say this. They didn't want the drama anymore. They didn't want right. the drama of like right. – Flirt with us, flirt with them, flirt with us. Like you're either committed or you're not, right? So, yeah. like, I will say that they are from from the people that I've chatted with. They're, I mean, you know, Florida State's offensive line coach liked the decommitment tweet. He liked the commitment tweet to Florida. For the people that I've chatted with, they're 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 glad that that part of it's over, right? Because every kid that you're recruiting is time, money, and resources, 100%. and to continue to invest time, money, and resources when the writing's on the wall. I think they're glad that this happened today and not right. on December 23rd, right? Like on the last right. day of, so right. um, yeah, I mean, but it's a loss. Like you, you certainly don't want to ever lose recruits to the other team, but I, we'll see how, how big of a true impact it is. Right. If Florida State can pick up the other targets they're going after. Well, today, this week, we'll celebrate it in Gator Nation. And hopefully on Thursday, we'll be celebrating, uh, another big pickup. And if Kermani does end up at UF, he's a five-star guy. He's a massive position of need. Um, that will Do you be guys have any positions that aren't massive positions of need though? Like to be honest, I mean, looking at this team, <laughs> I'm trying to be a jerk. Running back. I mean, we don't need a running back really. I mean, UF, UF's got a stable of running backs. I would say yeah. they're pretty handled there, but no, I mean, they, but uh, listen, you, first of all, offensive line is kind of always a position of need, right? Like offense and defensive line are such a numbers game. You, you over sign on those positions, hoping that these guys fit. And we've talked about this on the show before, generally on a high school team, unless your high school team happens to be really, really well coached, uh, really good line coaches. Generally you're sticking your biggest guys on your offensive defensive line without a whole lot of technique taught to them and just telling them to plug the gaps, essentially. That makes college recruiting really hard because generally these offensive linemen, defensive linemen don't know a whole lot of technique. So what you're looking at is basically just physical size and what you are uh, guessing is athleticism, right? And you're hoping you can get them into the program and actually teach them to play the position and that it will pan out. And I think that that's why you see schools. I think that's why you see the most successful schools way over offense and defensive lines. I think that was one of Florida's problems for really like about a decade on offensive line is that every lineman that you sign is a total crapshoot. That's different than what, than signing a quarterback or a wide receiver or a DB or something like that. Like you've already developed your skill set a lot more when you are in a skill position. It's just different for your line. So, I mean, I'll always, always take uh, offense and defensive uh, defensive lineman for sure. But yeah, Florida's got a lot of positions of need, but give me all the DBs because Florida's defense no. is garbage right now. So if there's something that I thought was the biggest position of need, it would probably be DB. So, and you're right. You like, you never want to not sign, but Florida state did sign six offensive linemen. Yeah. And I mean, that's huge. Really, and, that's, and so like it, I don't want to say it's not a position of need, but it is less of a position of need this year. Like you can, else. you don't, you're not going to sign six every single year. Right. right. Like, no, if, you're not. If they, if they can go with the the guy they've got committed now and then get the other two targets 
nine in two years is is plenty and fine. Like that's enough of a right. numbers game, especially when you can add with the portal and different things like that. So, all right, let's give a quick shout out to Greg Brunt of Brunt Insurance and Financial Services. You can contact them if you need insurance for your home, car, boat, motorcycle, any kind of auto, <coughs> RV, trailer, whatever you need insured, 954-589-2204. Call Greg Brunt and his team, see if they can save you some money. Both my car insurance and my homeowner's insurance is through Greg Bryant. If I had something else to insure, if I was rich like Allie and had an RV, I would have that insured um, through Greg as well. But I don't. Maybe one day Greg can insure my RV. But from Tallahassee, the keys, he will get you taken care of. 954-589-2204. It's bruntinsurance. You know I don't have an RV, right? I know. I was going to see how long you went before you No, I, I mean, that. I was rolling my eyes. Uh, but I do not have an RV. Um, 954-589-2204, Greg Brunt of Brunt Insurance. Uh, you can also go to bruntinsurance.com, but I would advise to give Greg a call and chat with him about some college football, chat with him about the games this weekend, maybe next weekend. This weekend might not be a good one to, to chat about, but uh, chat with him about the games and um, see if he can save you some money as well. Thanks, Greg, for your support. We appreciate you. All right, games this weekend from – all right, I know you want to live in the recruiting world, but games got to get played. So we are here – and we're going to talk about uh, – we want to go – let's start – yeah, let's go pit to peak here. We'll, we'll go backwards. So uh, start with the bad news first. Florida opened up as an 18-point underdog to UGA. That has ballooned up to 22.5 points, more than three touchdowns. UGA is a favorite. Uh, some Florida fans are um, – are some Florida players are saying that they feel like that's disrespectful – I'm fine with them having that. They feel like that. I mean, I'm yeah, fine, I'm fine with them having that. Great. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not really disrespectful. Like, you know, Vegas is just really here to make money. They, they right. really don't care who the teams well, are and things like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you, I I'll, you're not allowed to say like an absolute miracle, right? Cause we, of course right. we don't want to see that, but um, this is the largest spread that either of our teams will face this year. This is kind of one of the craziest things that, I believe it's one of the biggest spreads since what pre nineties. I think it's, it's been a long time Big since spread. it's been, you know, this high um, thoughts around so, what you want I to mean, see this weekend. First of all, I think this, the spread is justified based on what we've seen. I can also wrap my head around why a Florida player would feel disrespected by that spread, because this um, is a rivalry game for these players. This is a game that I generally, honestly, over if you're looking at the last two get, decades or so, give or take, you know, an oddball game here or there is generally a really good game, a very close game. So I can see uh, Vegas just has a job to do. There's no uh, spin involved with what they're doing, but I can totally wrap my head around why the players would feel disrespected in that as well. Um, you know, I, I'm interested to see how this plays out, right? This is, um, Florida is, is obviously a massive underdog. I don't think there's a whole lot of hope that they win this game, but I'm interested to see what Napier does with the odds stacked against him like there like there is does he have a game plan for figuring out how to slow this game down if you can go into halftime with a you know down by seven or you know whatever hanging around in there okay you've gotten through a half let's see what you can do the second half they don't have the athletes to hang with georgia do they have the coaching to hang with georgia i, I i'm not I'm not expecting a miracle this weekend, but I'm interested to see how Napier handles what is for sure his biggest test 
Um, it's a it's a environment that he hasn't played in before. It's a unique college football environment. I think it's a really fun college football environment. He has a tough job of getting a team who, again, is a massive underdog hyped up. He's got to convince them that they've got a shot, right? That's step one. Um, I don't, I mean, again, don't have a whole lot of hope, but I'm very interested to see uh, what Napier pulls out this weekend. Um, do you expect... Um, do you expect Florida, do you expect the crowd to be 50, 50, or do you yeah. think it'll be a little bit more UGA? this uh, No, I think it'll be 50, 50. I mean, even, even in years where one team is the number one team in the country, one team is unranked, one, like this has happened before this type of, of matchup. And it's always 50, 50. I think that it's, um, it's kind of almost a little bit more than just a football game. It's a little celebration. It's something that, uh, fans look forward to every year so i'm not concerned about that florida fans are gonna sh are gonna show up it sounds like this might be one of the last ones in jacksonville yeah i don't buy that either um and i i mean kirby just you know complains just complain uf and uga put out a uh joint statement this week that was basically like a whole bunch of words that said we're not focused on this until the contract's up um I'll be interested to see Kirby says every year that they lose a, a home weekend of recruiting and uh, it, you know, it, it is a disadvantage. I honestly don't think it is. I think if they were smart, what they'd try and figure out is how to host recruits at this game because well, now and, you're allowed to, I will say now you're allowed so, to, but, it, but it's also, right, very no, no, no. I know that you're allowed to, but you got to figure out the logistics of that. Yeah, That's a, a lot my point work. is this is a very unique game. It is very neat as a, uh, fan that has participated in it for a long time as a wife of a player that participated in it for a long time, a brother, a dad, a great, like there is very few things as cool as Florida, Georgia for these players. And so if you can get recruits to see that and experience that, I think that could be spun as a positive. Is it a little bit more work for your university? Sure. But like they've got a, you know, a million staff recruiting, uh, whatever team they can figure it out. Right. I just, I, it's such a, it's just become a talking point for Kirby. I don't, I don't actually think either university really cares about it. I think that he's just a complainer. I think they, I really like the idea of going every four years. I like the idea of, uh, you know, a home game, then an away game and then Jacksonville and then Atlanta and then play that cycle every four years. I mean, I don't um, love it. I don't, I wouldn't mind. I think that's eventually what's going to happen. Home, as well. Jacksonville away, Jacksonville. I don't, I mean. Yeah. See, that'd be fine too. I, and um, I, I, it doesn't really mean anything to me either. I just, for the distance reason is I think why people. Yeah. I mean, it's honestly such like. Uh, but I, but I do think like, okay. I know how much you love the, the history, but like yeah. as somebody who doesn't care about that at all, right? Like right. it's kind of a neutral. Um, it would be so cool to go to the swamp for a UGA game. Like, cause you think you, yeah, you think, I mean, as a fan that's never done that. Cause when I was, yeah, when you, it happened in the nineties, I was not going to either one. Yeah. You think the swamp yeah. was for Utah? Like you get UGA <laughs> in there and that place it would be will, like, it is for like LSU or uh, you know, I think, it would, I think I, it would even be higher than that. Like, I think it would be like, I, mean, I think it would just be because like, there's just something different about UGA. I mean, right? like, would I, just, I go, but, but see it would be right this moment, that's not been the case. Uh, that's really not been the case for a while. Like maybe the last five years that's been the case, but Florida has played. I, I mean, I honestly, when I was a college student, we didn't even really look at Georgia as a rival. We looked at it as like, this is a fun place to go drink. So I don't know that. Uh, and 
I mean, I don't know. Maybe as long as Kirby's there and if Napier gets the program continuing to move in the right direction, like maybe yes, because the East runs through Jacksonville. But I, I mean, honestly, oh, yeah. growing up, the East was between Knoxville now. Florida and Knox. Right. So like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I would, I would not hate seeing a game uh, between the hedges or seeing Georgia come to UF once in my lifetime, because I personally have not gone to those games, but I just, it, there's something special about having it in Jacksonville. It's different. It's unique. I think that there is more positive to it than negative. I'm a traditionalist. I don't want to see it move. So we'll see what happens. My guess is that they punt it another four years and sign another contract as soon as it's up. I don't think it's something that we're going to see change this next time around, but who knows? I hope we do. I want to go to the game. I know, but here's the thing. You're not going to the game no matter where it is. So you know, the people that actually go and care want it to stay in Jacksonville. It would be fun. I, I'll go as long as we don't have a big game that weekend. I'll go when UGA plays in the Swamp. Well, that'd be fun. All right. Well, we'll talk some about fun games in the Swamp. Yeah, there is fun games in the Swamp. I'm, I'm saying I've been to some, like some non-UF right. games. Yeah. LSU, Auburn. Yeah. It'd be a fun one to go to. All right. Um, a team that won't struggle with a team from Georgia this weekend. Florida State plays Georgia Tech. Um, that spread also opened up at I want to say that was like <coughs> I won't say that was like 18 or 19 and has now actually I'm sorry, UF I think opened up at 21. So I'll take that back. I don't think they opened up at 18. Florida State and Georgia Tech opened up at 18. It's now up to 24. There's some uncertainty about whether or not Georgia Tech's starting quarterback. Jeff Sims will play. I was told on Sunday he had a foot sprain and is day-to-day. Sounds like he probably hasn't practiced. Um, they're somewhat secretive with it, but probably hasn't practiced much. They've got a couple, they've got their second and third string guys practicing a lot. Um, the third string guy has never played in a college football game before, um, but they expect that both of them will play this weekend, according to Georgia Tech's interim coach. Um, I think Florida State comes out and absolutely Boston College is this team. Uh, Florida State. Came back home against Boston College and uh, returned the opening kicker and a touchdown. I don't know that I'm necessarily predicting that that happens, uh, but they absolutely dominated BC. Never took their foot off the pedal, I guess, until the you know mid third quarter when they subbed all their starters out and uh, just kind of continued to put it to them one by thirty. I-, I think we see a repeat of that. I think that right. the bye week has been really really good for FSU. Mike Norvell is eight and one coming off of bye weeks in his career at both Memphis and Florida State. The one loss was in the 2020 season against Pittsburgh. Um, and in that game, they actually led 17-3, to so got off to a pretty good start and just couldn't hold it. I would expect that they come out, um, get out to a really good start. It's a noon kickoff, which I love. Um, none of this waiting around until super late and, you know. Just get, get your regular routine and watch the Florida game. Yeah, I'm going to love it. So, um, yeah, I expect Florida State to come out and look really, really good against a really depleted team. I think the bye week's really good for FSU. I also think that um, just not playing a top 15 team is going right. to be really good for FSU. <laughs> and, um, right. you know, as much as it is, you know, people will get on you for, you know, you are what your record says at the end of the day. But Florida State's, Advanced analytics have them in the top 25, um, both offensively and defensively. And they've just played poorly against, uh, played poorly and played three teams that were just better than them, right? Like yeah. 
you play a top five Clemson team, you you play a, a wake team that's now what top knocking on the door at top 10. Um, I mean, you're just going to lose against teams that are better than you. Just it's what it is. So I, I think that getting to play a team that you're significantly better than um, at home, possibly without their starting quarterback. I mean, I think Florida State just goes out and absolutely kills Georgia Tech this weekend. Um, getting a couple of guys back. Fabian Lovett should play this weekend. He played in the LSU game and hasn't played – well, you know, Duquesne and then LSU. He got injured on the last drive of the game. Um, hasn't played since. He's Florida State's best defensive lineman. Really why they haven't been able to stop the run very well because their other uh, fifth-year <laughs> senior defensive tackle, Robert Cooper, has been double-teamed every play, and then you just kind of got young guys in there. So I think Lovett being back will help a ton – not even necessarily against Georgia Tech, more so like later in the year against Syracuse and Florida if he can stay healthy. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think getting a couple of guys back, um, it's a it's a bad week to be a Yellow Jacket. So we'll see what ends up happening, but I, I do think that we win and, and win it pretty big. Well, Georgia Tech has not looked good, um, and Florida State needs to kind of stop the bleeding, right, move in the – right direction so hopefully you do get a big win um you know so that you don't lose any more recruits we'll see what we can do <laughs> um so season outlook for you guys um espn has you guys winning two more games the rest of the way mm-hmm. um i have no idea what to think about that a and m game um, i don't either so so a and m loses to south carolina this past week um I honestly better about AM, but worse about South Carolina. I don't know. I just, I, you know, so first of all, as a as a Gator fan, I know that the in the SEC, like your record almost means nothing week to week against other SEC teams. Um, so you kind of take it with a grain of salt, but it feels like it looks like South Carolina is starting to put it together. It looks and it feels like the wheels are starting to fall yeah. off for Texas AM. And it kind of seems like the stuff, some of the stuff that came out this week, like they have I want to say three offensive linemen suspended for the rest of the season for stuff that went on in the locker room, either at the South Carolina game or after the South Carolina game or something like that. Like it seems like internally there is some turmoil going on. So I don't know how much of an effect that has because on paper, Texas A&M is a much better team than South Carolina. They're a much better team than Florida. They're a much better team of pretty much anybody outside of you know, maybe Georgia and Alabama. And even that is kind of a toss up at this point because they've had some really, really great classes. So something else is going on uh, for for the wheels to kind of be falling off the way that they are. Um, I'm interested. So first of all, let's back up for a second to this week. I'm interested to see how Florida's offensive line holds up, if they can slow the game down again, or, or slow the game down a little bit against Georgia. Because here's the deal. Florida's offense, I do think will score points. Florida's defense is going to feel like they're on the field the whole time, I feel like, though. And so we we need to see if Florida's offense can get some longer sustained drives because that's really the only way that they keep this game remotely close, right? It's, I, I don't have any faith that Florida's defense is going to stop. So Florida's offense needs to be able to uh, score but also take long enough that they can kind of slow the this make it a slow bleed if that uh, makes sense. But moving into the Texas A&M game, you know, from let's say they lose to Georgia because that's more than likely what's going to happen. I think that they can beat Texas A&M. Um, I, I'm interested to see what Texas A&M, where they go from here, right? Because it does really feel like they're kind of spiraling out of control. Um, I, I almost 
want to say that Florida beats Texas A&M and potentially has a harder time with South Carolina. That's at least what it is looking like, you know, to the, to the eye, right? Florida beats Vanderbilt. Um, so if they, if they've lost to both Texas A&M and South Carolina, which I don't think they drop both, but let's say they do, they beat Vanderbilt. Then they're going to that Florida state game looking to become bowl eligible. Yeah. Don't love that position. It's a rivalry game. It's on the road. It's a hostile environment. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll break that down game down later. Yeah. I think we both probably feel if our but, teams play I mean, well, we both feel good in that game. But I, I'll also say like, if, if you guys have lost to LSU and then to A&M and then to South, you know, Georgia and then A&M and then South Carolina, like if all those teams are beating you, which I, you know, I think Florida state wins that game too. Like, well, I mean, I, I think mean, Florida State probably wins that game anyway. But talent, yeah, I just I think that just talks about like where Florida's at. Like Florida's just struggling to find honestly, a way to win games. It, at that not a good, point, you A&M's also wonder how team. bought in everybody is, sure. right? Like it's yeah. one thing to lose at the very beginning of the season. You've won a couple. You beat Utah, who people didn't think you could beat. You've dropped a couple that you were still in, right? Like right now, I can see why players are still bought in. I think there would be no issue with them still being bought in after this weekend, right? Because I don't think that even in uh, the best case scenarios, people predicted that Florida would beat Georgia, even if they'd won all these previous ones. So I don't think this weekend factors in there at all. But if you lose to Texas A&M, and then let's say you lose to South Carolina, it is going. Napier's going to have his job cut out for his work cut out for him to continue to keep this team motivated for the rest of the season, right? I mean, that's just your job gets harder as the losses stack up. They just do, and uh, whether or not there there are losses that you know are okay because it's your first year of coach, you tell that to a 19 year old kid. Um, but uh, you know, Florida's at a crossroads. I'm interested. Texas A&M, I think, tells us where the rest of the season goes, right? I don't think you can do it off of this game. They beat Texas A&M. I think then they, they, you know, even if they struggle with South Carolina, I think they beat South Carolina and Vanderbilt. They're going into that Florida State game to kind of, you know, decide where they end up. They lose to Texas A&M. I think there's also then a great chance they lose to South Carolina. And the season takes a totally different uh, tone, I think. Yeah. Also, too, it's it is so much matchups like you talk about. Oh, sure. Um, you know, like. Um, well, think about Texas A and M and Georgia, right? Like Texas A and M is not uh, a good team. Texas A and M has favorable matchups against a team like Georgia. They have big, strong, tough defensive linemen. They were able to kind of have their way with Georgia's offensive line. They were able to stop the run game. They were able to fluster Stetson Bennett. About, are you talking about Missouri? Uh, um, oh yeah, sorry. Excuse me, Missouri, not Texas A&M. That is that's an example of sorry a matchup where you've got a team who's in Missouri who's not a particularly good team, but they match up really well with you know arguably the very best team in the SEC. So yeah. I, I, I that, mean, and that's where I honestly think that's so I still like, and we'll talk obviously more about this game next week. But the reason I still like A&M against Florida. Is because of their it is because of what AM strengths are. Right. I think AM strengths strength is their defense. Right. Um, their weakness is their offense. Yeah. But I don't think that matters. I, it, this is not sorry, I don't mean to say this so flippantly. I don't think that matters against Florida's defense. Like I just think yeah. Florida's defense is bad enough that yeah. like even a bad offense in AM could have some success against Florida's defense. Um, right. you know, uh, AM was down 17 to nothing 
and it was all off of turnovers to, right. to start the game against South Carolina. They threw an interception. Defense immediately stopped South Carolina, didn't, didn't give up any yards. Um, then they gave up a fumble inside the 20. South Carolina scores immediately on that. Um, and yeah, then but- another fumble six as well. So, like, 17 of the points came directly off turnovers. I mean, they're off their defense held South Carolina to 13 points. And right. so, like, I, I think that um, AM's defense is what will kind of keep them in it. And then it's can right. Florida's defense rise up at all to keep down <laughs> right. a, a bad AM offense? Because AM's offense is not good. Right. Um, but neither is Florida's but defense. But if they get their points. Worse. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so we'll see. I mean, um, it's, I'm interested to see which Florida offense, you know, shows up. I do feel like Florida's offense has made progress right anthony richardson has made progress the running backs have made progress that florida's offensive line has played overall well on the season um it it, it's whether or not the defense comes up with any stops right if they could come up with a pick or two that would be that would be huge and they have done that at times this season but you know florida's defense is not consistent they're not there's a lot of things that they're not very good at um but I, you know, I do think we may, I may feel very differently about this Florida season, depending on what we see at the AM game. This weekend changes nothing for me. I am hoping Florida's offensive line can, you know, hold their own against Georgia's D line, that Florida can get some sustained drives, kind of slow down the pace of the game a little bit, which can then limit the, uh, you know, at least try and limit the amount of points that Georgia can score. Um, but, Florida's offense can get into a track meet. Their defense, just the uh, counting on them to come up with a stop is not something that I would place money on at this point. Yeah, no, I agree. So I, 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 I but I would still lean, I will say this, I, as much as I still think A&M finds a way, I do think Florida finds a way against South Carolina. Um, yeah. Their offense looked, looked pretty bad. I don't think Rattler's very good. And again, they really only scored like 13 points outside of the, you know, the A&M turnovers, which were, really really bad and in in bad uh right bad position and so uh i'd still lean i don't know toward, I, I, i'd still lean toward florida making a bowl i at just six and six i think florida's gonna make a goal a bowl at this moment though like i said south carolina concerns me more they just i just feel like they're trending in this good direction much more so than AM. like the there is some toxicity going on in that locker room i don't know if anybody's surprised you know, how it's up for that uf game well, that's true. That's I think, true. I think Kyle Field like, is a hard place to play. Have um, you guys played Jimbo twice now that he's been there? Or just once? Him, uh, twice. We've played him three times since they joined the SEC, but only twice since Jimbo has been there, I believe. If that's the case, then you guys are – I think he's 10-1. and one. No, I'm sorry. He'd be 9-1 uh, and one against okay. against Florida. Okay. Since taking over at FSU. I gotta, I I'll have to double check. But, I mean, the, the he wasn't their coach the very first year we played him, which was their first year in the SEC. That was at Kyle Field. Um, and then I, but I thought he was, I don't know. We'll have to go back and look. I think that they've played him twice as the head coach, but that it could be just once. And this being the second time I have to go back and, um, and double check. No, just, just once with Jimbo. Okay. So, so yeah, so he's eight and one and they won. Right. No, Cause he was seven and one at FSU. So maybe he's just been game planning. Maybe he's been game planning for the last three wow. weeks to just, Does be- he, is he going to have players in the locker room show up to play the game? That's- we'll see. We'll see. The question at this moment. All right, let's recap some picks. It was another great week for me. You had an okay week. <laughs> um, I took Ohio State. You took Iowa. I got that one right. I took Clemson. You took Syracuse. You got that one right. That was a good game. That was a great um, game. 
I took LSU. You took Ole Miss. Shout out to the uh, shout out to my Tigers. They look great, man. Um, outside of that loss to Tennessee, they've looked really good since playing us. So um, I got that one right. We neither of us got UCLA as Oregon won that one pretty big. Yeah. Uh, we both got Alabama over Mississippi State. Mike Leach had some hilarious comments today. If you Mike Leach that, is you know, a gem. Yeah, you I don't know what he said, but I'm gonna that. have to look it up. Yeah, basically just that like the team didn't have any hands and he's worried about like their kids and grandkids eventually evolving to literally just not have hands. And he's like, somebody's going to be traveling across the country one day and stop in Starkville and they're going to just see all these huge athletic people that look really awesome, except for they literally don't have hands. So he's like, we're working on that as a staff to try and get <laughs> get the use back in their, uh, in their heads. So anyways, hilarious. We both got Oklahoma State against Texas, correct? And then Liberty... <laughs> Um, was down 14 to three against BYU and scored three <coughs> points. So they won 41 to 14. So Liberty covered this week. Um, Liberty is, uh, I always check the rankings to see if anyone's close. Florida state's the only team in the big three getting votes right now, but Liberty is like 27th right now. If they win this weekend, actually they're off this weekend. If they win next weekend, which it's at Arkansas. So that'd be pretty tough, but if they win at Arkansas next weekend, Liberty will be ranked. So. That'd be cool. Um, I went five and two on the week. You went four and three. I'm 36 and 22. <coughs> and you're 31 and 27. So five games back. You've got some, you got some ground. Uh, yuck. All right. Well, what do we have on the docket this week? I was going to say flip these standings since you want to talk about flips, but uh, maybe that's too soon. Ohio state is a 15 and a half point favorite at Penn state. Give me Penn state. I think I'm the same way. Um, TCU is a seven and a half point favorite at West Virginia. I'll take TCU here. Um, I will too. Uh, Syracuse is a two and a half point favorite against Notre Dame. Give me Syracuse. I'm going to go Notre Dame here. Uh, But finally we have one we disagree on. Uh, I'll take UGA as a 22 and a half point favorite against Florida. Give me UF. I don't think they win, but I'm going to go with them covering. Wake Forest is a four-point favorite at Louisville. I'll take Wake Forest here. Mm, give me Louisville. I hope you're right there. Tired of seeing them win, but um, I do think Wake covers. South Carolina is a four-point favorite at Missouri. That game's always weird and close. I'll take yeah. Missouri to cover, but South Carolina <laughs> to win. All right, I'll take South Carolina. Ole Miss is a two-and-a-half. This is a weird spread. Ole Miss is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Texas A&M. I just I feel like this is Vegas setting a trap, but I just don't know how to take Texas A&M here. So I'll take Ole yeah. Miss. But... I'm taking Ole Miss too. I just I don't know how you bet. I don't I don't know. Uh, and I like the Knolls minus twenty four. That's a massive freaking spread. But I without Georgia Tech having a starting quarterback and the bye. I'll weekend, take I... uh, Georgia Tech just because why not? Got to catch up somewhere. That's a good way to not catch up. That's a good way to go <laughs> the opposite direction. Um, all right. Anything else before we get out of here? Any more cracks? Any more jokes you want to make? Hey, listen. I just, you know, all I heard a couple weeks ago was how Florida's class was just going to fall apart because of these losses. And all I see is Florida's class heading in the right direction. So just like to point that out to you. The losses, it's all good until it isn't. That's a famous adage that I've always heard. It's that all is what good. they're saying uh, it's, in it's, Tallahassee this week, huh? It's all good until it isn't. Um, they're going to pick up a win this weekend in Tallahassee. I don't know if the same can be said 
or other well, places in the state. So, opponents um, are a little different. But hey, world largest well, outdoor cocktail party. Well, it's a great weekend. It's going to be well, fun. Win, lose, or draw. I cannot wait for this weekend. So, <laughs> <laughs> we will see you guys back next week. Again, appreciate Brunt Insurance, 954 589 2204. Make sure that you call Greg today and chat. Well, not today, it's late at night, but call him tomorrow and chat about car insurance or home insurance, whatever you can. See if he can save you some money. We will be back next week um, when our teams probably no longer have the same record and we can talk less recruiting and more on the field because I'm I don't Jay. know. Cormani announces on Thursday. So, you know, if he picks that'll Florida, be your, that'll, about that on Tuesday. That'll, that'll be your way to get out of the uh, butt whipping that Georgia gives you. I mean, Hey, we didn't, we also didn't do our score predictions for that game. What do you think that's going to be? Oh, I haven't really done. I, I don't think we've been doing score predictions, but uh, yeah. So yeah, UGA, Florida's defense is so bad. Yeah, I think UGA kind of scores at will. Um, uh, 34 to uh, – no, maybe – I don't know. 41-17? 41-17. Would that have me covering? Yeah, that would be right at 24. So, yeah. All right, let's go 42-17 so that I can actually cover. All right. Uh, hmm. Thinking like 36-28 or something like that. But. Yeah, the more I think about it, like Florida's offense, I don't know. I don't know how good Georgia's defense is and, and how much they – no, you know what? Anthony Richardson's going to have like two or three turnovers. 42-17. You said 38-26? I said 36-28. Okay. Whew. That was a one-score game? I'm being hopeful, all right? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next week. Till next time, go Noles. Go Gators.